What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Sports Fields and Courts. So the Warriors are going to the finals for the fifth straight year. Uh, the first team to do that since the Boston Celtics in 1966, which is crazy. What's even more exciting is they're doing it with the original three, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Iguodala, although Iguodala wasn't um, there for game four because of his injury. Um, it's been really exciting to watch them. I'm one of those fans that was sad to see Durant come on the team only because I felt like they could do it without him. And I felt like Durant being on the team put them in this super team category and any accomplishments they would have would have this asterisk next to it because, well, sure, anybody can do it with Curry, Thompson, Green, and, and Durant. Um, so it's nice to see them them getting back to it. And also, I like to see them play better without Durant. I've spoken about this in previous episodes. What I've also spoken about in previous episodes is the notion of positive leadership. And I don't think we saw this any clearer than Draymond Green during this series. Um, they have the wired thing where you hear, um, you know, some of the players get mic'd up before the game. And then they highlight different sections. And during game three, um, I believe it was Bell went in for a dunk. He was on a breakaway dunk by himself and he went one-handed and he missed the dunk. Now, you know what I have to say about people like LeBron and Kyrie and how they would have shamed Bell and, 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 and made him to feel shameful in front of everybody. What does Draymond Green say? What did the microphone pick up? He says to him, that's all right, man. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. I've missed shots. Steph's missed shots. Clay's missed shots. Nobody's perfect. What did Bell do the next time he got a chance for a dunk? He went two hands. He made it. They won the game. They won the series. They're playing with so much connection and energy and heart. And it's somebody like Draymond Green. He's not Steph Curry. He's not playing with, you know, this sweet attitude or this kind of like, spiritual um, take on basketball, which is how I look at Steph Curry. He plays with the spirit in him. And Draymond Green, frankly, annoys me a lot of the time, especially in recent years. He's complains a lot. Draymond Green, I didn't think had any kind of like self-awareness or I didn't think he had much. I didn't think he was reflecting on himself. And he stated very, very clearly he said that he was concentrating more on crying about calls than actually playing the game. It's been well documented. I think he lost something like 25 pounds from the regular season um, closer to the playoffs. He's moving around like a, a guy on skates. I mean, he is everywhere on the court. He pushed the ball up nearly every single time. He was looking for every advantage you could possibly get, especially in game four when they didn't have Igudala. It was clear that they wanted to sweep the Blazers. It was clear that they wanted as much time as possible to rest up. But it was so exciting to see Draymond Green coming at it from a different perspective. You know that I'm going to attribute that to the top. You know that I'm going to attribute that to Steve Kerr, to Steph Curry. Something else I did, I, I listened to some people talk about Kyrie Irving and what he's going to do with his free agency. Richard Jefferson, who used to play with him on the Cavs, he now um, is on Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols has a great show um, on ESPN, and Richard Jefferson was on there talking and they're like, what do you think is going to happen with Kyrie? And, and he was kind of very open about it, that he's not a leader. He has a lot of kind of emotional immaturity, I would say. He can't be the leader of a team. He can't lead 
a bunch of young, talented players, which is exactly what the Celtics are, with a great veteran in Al Horford, he can't lead those guys to a championship. He can't even lead them to the Eastern Conference Finals in a pretty weak conference, even though, yes, he played the Bucks, and Adentacupo is, you know, definitely, as I said, one of the top players in the NBA. They're a tough team to get through. But still, I felt like the Celtics could have them could have given them a little a little bit more competition at the very least. They played like they didn't have any heart. And it's just very interesting to see that even somebody like Draymond Green, who I've always thought was kind of the exception on the Warriors, he was kind of the only one that had a crummy attitude. And yes, I did just use the word crummy, kind of had a bad attitude and didn't play with the kind of same spirit that Steph Curry plays with, that Klay Thompson plays with, that Iguodala plays with. And even he's coming around because he sees that that's how you win. My brother made a great point. Not only is great leadership inherent in consistent winning, but there's no dynasty without it. Even people that have one, LeBron James has won a few championships. Other teams have won a few championships, but they don't win consistently. The Warriors have built a dynasty. They're, they're legit a dynasty. You can't question that anymore. They're doing it with sustained positive leadership. I would say the same thing about the Bulls. That's how they built their dynasty. Jordan led from the top with positive reinforcement, with great leadership. And it's really nice to see that coming to fruition. Another great point that I really love to see was the Curry brothers. How much ribbing they did with each other. You can tell it's all sourced in love. But it's nice to see. It's not too saccharine sweet with them. But it's also not too hardcore. It's somewhere right in the middle of this great humanity, this great these, these great displays of competitive, familial um, spirit. You know, Seth was, Steph had made something like 81 free throws straight in the fourth quarter and in overtime in the playoffs, which dated back to 2015, which is an insane stat. And in game two, when Seth Curry had that great game, he was... Giving Seth, giving Steph um, flack, you know, oh, you're going to miss the shot, you're going to miss the shot. Seth ended up missing a shot in the fourth quarter um, in game four, and he turned around to Seth and they smiled. And also near the end of the game, Steph got called for traveling, and you could see Seth on the sidelines. He was the first one to, you know, do the motions of the traveling and get the refs to call it. And I heard Steph say on ESPN afterwards that, you know, he's been tattletaling on me his whole life. It's just great to see personalities like that. You know, they're not giving empty sound bites. Um, and they're just playing with a lot of heart. And it's just really, it's just really great to see. I was a little disappointed in in Lillard and McCollum's play. They they never kind of really stepped up in this series. Um, you know, Lillard was was hurt. He had a separated rib, so I'm sure that's part of it. Also, the Warriors played amazing defense. Also, they pushed it really hard. But there were so many times where the Blazers were just, you could see that time and time again, Draymond Green was pushing the ball up. They weren't getting back on defense. They did at the end of the game, but they weren't really consistently and they weren't doing it throughout. And I was a little disappointed with the Blazers play, but also the Warriors played so great. But I do have to say, I was really hoping for them not to sweep them because I did want to see another game. But, um, you know, I'm happy that the Warriors won. I'm happy to see them in the finals. The Toronto-Milwaukee uh, series got interesting with a double overtime win by Toronto in Game 3. I did not think that they were going to win, which I may say, 
the the games two, three, and four in the Blazer Warrior series, I really thought that the Blazers were going to win all three of those games. I'm sure a lot of people did. It was really, really so um, indicative of the Warriors' heart that they pulled all those wins out, especially in the last game without Iguodala. They played all their bench players. All their, all their bench players rose to the occasion. The Raptors' bench players are not really rising to the occasion, although Danny Green did hit a big shot finally. Um, yeah, it's surprising to see that nobody's really stepped up that big for Toronto yet. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Game 4 in Toronto. I have a feeling that Milwaukee is going to win, and they're going to win it in Milwaukee. Um, I see them winning either in five or six games. Um, it's surprising that no, I was expecting Van Vliet to step up a little bit more. I was expecting for somebody to show up a little bit stronger. Even Danny Green, who has you know finals and and an extensive playoff experience, he hasn't really found his shot yet. But it's been a good series. I mean, except for Game Two, which was not competitive at all. Games one and three were 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 fun games to watch, and honestly, it's nice to see somebody except LeBron's Cavaliers go to the Eastern Conference Finals finally. And it's going to be nice to see somebody else play the Warriors. I'm actually pretty excited to see how the Bucks match up um, with the Warriors. You know, I think the Warriors are are going to beat them, and I think they're going to probably beat them handily. But I think it will be interesting if Atentacupo can string together two or three good games. I think he's going to be difficult for the Warriors, but Again, you know, even without Durant, Looney has been playing amazing. All of their bench players have just been playing amazing. Their tagline this year has been strength in numbers, and that's exactly what they've been doing. And I'll leave this here. Um, I recently just saw the video of Steph getting drafted by the Warriors. And the commentator, when he got drafted, the whole room was full of booze because it was in New York, and the Knicks were hoping that they were going to get Steph. And the guy that was commentating was was commenting on how, you know, the Warriors are so lucky to get him and how he's a pure shooter and he and why the Knicks and the New York fans are upset not to have gotten him. But this thing that stuck with me was what he said. He said, never underestimate the power of a player loving to play the game. And that is how Steph plays the game. He loves to play the game. Fans love to see him playing the game in large part because of that. He's just a great ambassador for the sport, and he's a great extension of Jordan's legacy. And it's nice to see a great, talented superstar take that mantle and not take it in the direction that LeBron and Kyrie and Russell Westbrook and some other players have taken it. But it's just nice to see a pure love of the game, no selfishness. You know, I also love what Dwayne Wade tweeted out after the Warriors beat the Rockets. Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade tweeted something out like, you know, everybody underestimates Steph Curry because he's a team first guy. Don't underestimate him just because of that. So I'm going to leave it there for now and uh, see you next time.